On this episode of the Driving Improvement Podcast, it's interview time at the Middle Atlantic PGA Junior Summit. Recorded over two days in Richmond, Virginia, some of the brightest and best in junior golf instruction share their thoughts on a range of topics. Listen in to learn about learning with a training aid, what you need to do to be a better putter right now, and find out who is leading the charge to change the face of the golf industry. If you're a parent of a junior golfer or just want to get better at the game, you don't want to miss this episode. It's the Driving Improvement Podcast with Mark Russo right now. All right, I'm here with uh, my boy, uh, Billy Hoffman, Director of Instruction at Westwood Country Club. Also one of the best players in our section, finishing the year strong. How you doing, Billy? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, man. So we're here for the Junior Summit. Uh, we're jumping around here with some of the best junior instructors in the room. Speaking of which, Robbie Fails just walked in. So uh, he, Robbie's been on the podcast before. So, Billy, uh, drive, chip, and putt. Okay, you've had great experiences with your young kids uh, there. Mm-hmm. Uh, give our listeners, whether it's just for kids or even for adults, how do we drive, chip, and putt the ball better? You teach this specifically to these kids so they can get better at it for the, for the, the competition. How do we get better, drive, chip, and putt? Give us a little bit of knowledge. No, this is perfect. This is a little rehearsal for my uh, speech here. Um, so in 2017, I took a kid to the national final. So yes. our practice routine was like, I mean, I would have this kid run like 200 yards and then he'd have to hit a drive. And then we'd run over to the chipping green and he'd have to do his chip. And then we'd run to the putting green and then he'd have to do his putt. So we set it up where his heart rate's up, he's moving around fast, and he's got to chill out before he hits these shots. And um, we would set up different uh, parameters for the drive, different putts, different chips. So he got a, a little bit of everything, different scenarios. So that's cool. So essentially what you were doing there, and I like this, um, I don't know if some of my students would like to run 200 yards, the adult students, but, <laughs> but basically what you were doing there, it's cool. You're stressing the system out a little bit, much like we feel when we get on the first tee or get into a nervy situation where maybe we're trying to break 80 or these kids are trying to win a competition or a junior event. So you're trying to stress their system out um, just to, to get them comfortable being in that crazy situation, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I um, definitely, I would, I'd love doing this because I would have them hit a tee shot and then I'd just take off in the golf cart. Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, you put a camera on someone and they get a little more stressed out. You, mm-hmm. you change their environment like little by little and they have to figure out. So we, we worked on like breathing control stuff. Um, but yeah, just uh, when we did that, we just put external, um, you know, just mess with their system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool. And so um, when you're talking about, you know, and obviously you teach everybody, but you do have a lot of great kids that you teach. But so you know, we've got a parent on here who wants their child to play uh, competitive golf. And we're not just talking about getting into the game. We can talk about that later, too. But just competitive golf. Just real quick, what, what are some of your thoughts about getting a kid into competition and, and making it something that they want to do versus being maybe forced into, which we hear the horror stories. Right. I'm sure you've seen them, too. But how do we make it fun to play in competition? Yeah, I think um, one big thing with my juniors that I stress is, like, I want you to be the best version of yourself. So if you go out and shoot 
a 90, you know, next turn I want you to shoot 80 and mm, make it like make it a game. Don't, you know, you don't have to win to be successful, right? I want my juniors to be, and I talk about this in my speech, like I want them to be champions on the course and in life. And yes. both of them are, you know, as important as the other. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think the one big thing with the juniors and like, parents and competition and stuff is we got to they have to like we got to set the expectations and and based on their goals so if they're trying to get into college it's like hey if you if you if that's the avenue you're going you have to like you better be like in the gym you better be practicing you know 30 40 hours a week um and if that's something that the kids ready to do and willing to do then it's like let's go and do it but um i definitely i i like asking the the student what they want yeah not what their parents want for them no that's that's cool man that's great advice awesome thanks thank you Okay, I'm here with a. He, he's been on the podcast in a much more um, zoo-like fashion before. Uh, but Robbie Fails is here with me. Robbie, what's up, man? Mark, how are you? I'm it's good, man. It's good to see you, man. Uh, all right, so we're talking a, a lot of different stuff today. Uh, big day here at Salisbury Country Club Junior Golf uh, Summit. But let's talk about uh, training aids versus mm. non-training aids for a second. All right. Oh yes. Okay. This is this is right up your alley. So, what's your take on? Uh, using training aids versus um, non-training aids, and what do you think the, the value versus the non-value of, of training aids is? Yeah, so I think first off, it's important to understand what is a training aid versus yeah. what is a teaching aid. Yeah, right? this was, this you was know a where this question. is coming up from, yes. Um, so in my opinion, uh, teaching aids are teaching you what is either currently happening or what you could do differently. Okay, right? Can to you, make let's give an example. Trackman. Perfect. Right. Perfect. TrackMan is a teaching aid is giving you objective feedback and improving your awareness of what is currently happening. So, right, it's getting the perception and reality a little bit closer together. Okay. Uh, training aids are something that is going to give you information on how you can make the change. Right. Mm -hmm. So improving your, uh, I would say, like your access to the different movement options, mm -hmm. I think would be number one. Uh, creating a constraint, either that's removing a constraint or adding a constraint that almost like an informative boundary that gives you information on what is currently happening or how you can move differently. Mm -hmm. Things like tubing, I think is a great mm -hmm. training aid because you can literally pull someone in a direction that you don't want them to go right. and get them to sort of fight that. That is giving them information. It's like, oh, what could I do differently to, in to invent in that case, put stress on the tube in a different way. Right. Yeah. So it's, what to do versus sort of how to do it, in my opinion. Perfect. Um, so, and that, and you've kind of brought this up already here, but like tubing, what are some of your, maybe your favorite training aids? Um, I have mine, but like, what do you, what do you like to use the most? We, we all seem to have like our pet ones, <laughs> like we have everything, but yes. I have a tendency to boil it down to maybe a few that I use more often than the others. Yeah, absolutely. So honestly, I've got a, a proprietary uh, training aid that I'm going to, present here today that Ooh, all right. <laughs> should be uh, should be pretty fun so it's essentially it's a two by four 
uh, that's got a little bit of a like a teetering aspect on the bottom of it, almost like a downshift or a pressure board. Mm -hmm. But then it's also got blocks on the top, which act, if you've heard of the down under board before, it's basically mm -hmm. uh, a modified version of that. But what it does is it gives people awareness of where is their dynamic balance? How are they kind of plugging themselves into the ground? Um, and I think it does a great job because it, it really forces you to do the work. It's not doing the work for you. Mm -hmm. um, it's putting you in an environment where you really have to uh, make a change in order to, number one, stay on the two by four, right? If you're yeah, swinging yeah. on a two by four and you're falling off one direction or the other, that's giving you information. That's an informative boundary that's telling you kind of where you're currently at. Um, the teetering aspect of it does a great job of bringing your awareness to how the pressure sort of changing in the feet. Mm -hmm. um, and then the blocks on the top, almost sort of using the inside of the feet to sort of grab those blocks, um, is really keeping those inside foot contacts, which, uh, mm -hmm. like we're going to learn from Dr. Mike Kay in mm -hmm. February, yes, is, is so, so, so important. So I use that for posture. I use that for actually transition in a lot of cases. I use that board a lot. Um, another thing I really like to use is the rope, the Quan rope, which I'm sure he's going to present in February as well. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to show that today. It's just a great way. Again, it's just giving you information. It's almost an assessment tool as much as anything, but to actually swing the rope and to get it to uh, wrap around your body properly takes a lot of coordination. So yeah. those are two of my favorites. I like the orange whip for certain cases, like, okay. you know, in short game, trying to keep it from bending a ton. Yes. Uh, in transition. Really good. I think is a really good way to use it. Uh, I've got a speed stick, actually. You were just seeing me uh, yeah. uh, kind of putting on the carpet that is giving you awareness of impulse and how to get the ball to stop different distances on the green. So, again, like anything that amplifies the information gets you to do the work. Uh, for me is going to be uh, incredibly beneficial. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I mean, I think for me, I'm just like, you know, I, I use alignment rods and pool noodles so much. And I have this, I have this big, um, and a lot of my students know it. It's like a, an L-shaped PVC pipe thing that uh, goes up and down and rotates and you yes. can do all kinds of stuff with it. And it's like just incredible, some of the simple that? stuff. So it's basically one of my students owns an HVAC company and he made this thing for me. It's basically like an eye shape on the ground and then it's got a center post coming up and it's got two screws in it and basically a post that comes out with an L, an arm and you oh, can rotate it and go up and down you can also lay it on its side and tilt the thing up and you can work up under it with a driver to change path and attack oh, angles. Oh, very cool. So it's very, it's, it's cool. Versatile. Like it's super that. versatile. Yeah. yeah, super versatile. So yeah, I mean, it's just training aids, I think it have, have their, their plates obviously. Um, and so, you know, in terms of learning too, because we are at a junior summit here. So how would you characterize the difference in learning between a junior I'll give you an age, maybe. Uh, maybe like since my son's 11, well, my yes. oldest son's 11. We'll start there. An 11-year-old, yeah. how does an 11-year-old learn? Mm. We'll talk, say, say golf swing, mm. um, just because it's easier. Between teaching an adult, how would that vary in your experience? Ooh, heavy question. Mark. Yeah, it's I, early know. In the I know. It is early. It is early. But I've been up for a while, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just throw you under the bus. Here, oh, buddy. my gosh. Um, so I would say in general, yeah. uh, I, I typically don't make age uh, distinguish. I don't distinguish based on age, usually. Okay. Uh, usually it's, is the person aspiring or are they accepting, right? Mm. So if you are aspiring, if you are trying to get to a higher, I hate to use the word level, but if you're trying to really aspire and achieve long-term goals, mm -hmm. in my opinion, you have to be in charge of the learning. Main, mainly meaning 
as the coach, all we're trying to do is guide their exploration process mm -hmm. in a way that gets them to find the answers themselves and then push them and kind of guide where their attention is in certain directions uh, to create either the, the result that we want or to discourage the, the movements that we don't want. Mm -hmm. If you are accepting, you know, in this case, this would be like in the morning of a tournament. I'm like, hey, I'm not going to be building new skills today, right. right? I just need to get the ball around the golf course. Sometimes you just have to hold the person's hands like, like just, just do this. Mm -hmm. Just do this today. Just get you through the round, right? right? And then in, in that case, it's very much a, of an explicit type of, hey, just do this. I'm telling you what to do. This is what you need to do today versus if it's more of a long-term aspirational type of relationship. As a coach, I am very, 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 very reluctant to give you the answer. Mm. I want to start, start first of where's your awareness and then can we explore the different options? Is there a constraint that's keeping you from maybe exploring those options? And then ultimately, what are you trying to do? What is your concept for how you're trying to achieve this, this task? And if we can unpack all of those things, invariably they're gonna have the greatest influence on the force and the motion that we see. Whereas, uh, like you said, if, if someone's just, hey, I, I, I'm not gonna achieve anything that great, but my buddies give me crap for hitting this big banana slice in the trees. Right. Just tell me something to get rid of the slice. Yeah. That's going to be very uh, much of a, a kind of more, more of an information processing type approach where I'm yeah. telling you the answer. Yeah. And I think that's an important <clears throat> distinction that you make there for people who would listen and say, look, there, there's different kinds of lessons. There is that lesson where yes. you are directing, you are, you are fixing in the moment. It is a short term. I got to get this done where there's the, the other type, the aspiring, as you call it, which I like, is the long-term person. They're, there's a much bigger discovery process oh, happening. Yes. And, and you're trying to lead them in the right direction, but let them discover at their own pace and their own way so they can own it and yes, understand they it. they own right? it, right? That is the big key, is that if they own it, then it is the, it's the most intrinsic, it's the most robust, it's the most likely to allow for coordination in those really, really, really stressful environments, right? Where you've got so much noise, you've got so much information in the environment, you just need to be able to place your attention on the performance variables, the information that is very pertinent to actually performing this task, as opposed to if I'm telling you what to do, then your attention during the performance is gonna be, oh gosh, Coach Rob tells me I have to, you know, do this with my arm or do this with my head. That's not where your intention, your, that's not where your attention needs to be yeah. when you're actually performing the skill. Yeah, that's perfect, man. Um, dude, I think we, like, I'm doing all these short bursts, but I feel like you're going to be the first three-time guest on here. I just need to do a, I just need to do a full one with you. Oh. We'll, just have, we'll just have a total meltdown of questions. Yes, be amazing. yes. So, well, uh, you call yeah. me the Riddler, so I, yeah, the, I, I do most of the question yeah. asking, but it's, it's great to get me on the other side. Yeah, day. well, I'm going to get you a T-shirt with the Riddler on, <laughs> on it for sure. Robbie, thanks, man. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, buddy. Cheers. Okay, so uh, this is uh, history in the making here as uh, I have my first three-time guest, or as in hockey, Chris, we call this a hat trick, uh, the director of instruction at Kings Mill, Chris George. How are you, my friend? I'm very well, Mark. Uh, we are here at the Junior Summit, as I've said, and um, uh, we're, the best stuff always happens in between some of the presentations, too, some of the discussions and everything and the fun stuff. Um, you were talking about, I, I gave you garbage about this Instagram post the other day because you were putting in the dark and the lights and you're a notorious uh, workaholic. You're there all day and always discovering. But uh, what is it about um, putting that gets you excited? Because you, you like 
teaching putting and you're very good at it. But what is it about putting that gets you excited? Because I think people, as you know, you know, we, we teach people maybe the first time you see them and you're like, how's your putting? And it's like, oh, I'm pretty good. Well, pretty good is relative, but what excites you about putting? Yeah, it's ever-changing. You know, the ball's on the ground, so there's another element. Right. So contours, and there's so much to uh, putting, but I would tell you the big thing that really makes me continue to dive in is just the research and the relationship of the time it takes for the ball to get to the hole and a player's understanding of that and their ability to control the force that they move the ball with. Hmm. What, um, now this could be a, a difficult question to answer, I guess, but from a skill perspective, when it comes to putting, can you give me a skill that you feel like is above the others? It's always a combination, certainly, but is there a skill that maybe if somebody has a limited time and they got to focus on, on uh, an aspect of putting that could possibly help them, what would it be? Learning to get the ball to travel around the hole at the same speed, mm, okay. regardless of the distance you're putting from. So if you're putting from four feet or 40 feet, when the ball arrives at the hole, it needs to be moving the same speed mm. so that the hole can capture the ball. Is there a, so I love that. Is there a, is there a way for you, how do you define that speed? Is it a certain amount of inches you would prefer the ball to finish past the hole? Um, is, there, is there a way to, to quantify that if, if we can? I would start with, it depends on the player level. Okay. Uh, obviously, the, the more uh, experienced, the smaller that dispersion window is going to be. Sure. But I would say inside of uh, 15 feet past the center of the hole, no more than uh, two feet past, preferably a foot and a half. Okay. Outside of 15 feet, um, 10%. So if it finishes, you know, if you're putting from 30 feet, it could finish three feet short or three feet long. So you mm. have a six-foot diameter circle to have the ball finish within. Okay. No, that's, that's cool. Um, the other thing we've, that's come up in some of my lessons here recently, Chris, so I want to get your take on this, is putter fitting. Um, it's, um, it's one of those things in our industry that is, uh, it's done by people, but not done nearly as much as the rest of the clubs in your bag. Yet we're using this club <laughs> uh, an inordinate amount of time relative to some of the other clubs in our bag. But it's very much sort of left out. What's your thought on putter fitting and, and any nuggets you want to give people about that? Uh, I would say, again, it's player dependent. The better player, I think, is extremely important. Um, in addition to length and lie and, and face, but testing with technology, what gives you the ability to have the most consistent stroke with the least amount of rotation, the ball's coming off at a similar speed. Mm. Um, whether that's something as simple as blast or as something as experienced as, as Sam when you're measuring it, but um, I would in there additionally that you may have a good putter and simply measuring what that is currently and then change the grip hmm. and measure it again and okay. I think you'd be surprised at how more consistent it can be. When you say change the grip are you talking about how you're holding it or the physical grip on the club? I'd start with the physical grip okay. and then you can modify that um, uh, with changing how your hands are positioned on it. Okay okay. If necessary. Okay, that's cool. Um, 
Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, do you? Uh, so that that one that one gets my attention a little bit uh, here. So, do you find that this trend that people like to go to uh, these bigger, fatter grips generally does that? It seem to really help people, or is that more of a hindrance? I think that some of the people are making it worse by getting these big, fat grips on their on their putter. Yeah, I would I would I would say it probably hurts more people than it helps. Yeah. Um, only because they could be really putting well and don't know it with their current grip, and they go to change it because, you know, their buddy in the group has one and they putt really well. Right. We'll put that in quotes. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so they think they need one because they want to putt really well, and that may not be the case. Yeah, okay. Um, in terms of, you know, sticking with the putting theme, and obviously we're doing this over here, and nobody's going to see visuals here, but... They can always go to your Instagram feed, though, and check a bunch of stuff out. Chris George Golf. We've got to give a plug to my man here. Um, really good stuff on there. Uh, how about a couple of drills, two, three drills, that are maybe some of your favorites for people, too, especially because this is the world that I live in, um, maybe not with super competitive golfers, but I'm teaching the core golfers who love to play, they love the game, but they also have a lot of them nine-to-fives and kids. So putting time, practice time is limited, so let's – Let's stick there maybe for a second and say, all right, I, I, you've got limited time. What are we going to do to get better at putting? I'd start with if you're putting to a hole, be close enough to the hole that you can make 80%. Yeah. So never get farther away than that. And you'll find I may need to start at two feet. You can make eight out of 10, nine out of 10, and then you can go to three feet. Go as far away as you want mm-hmm. as long as you can maintain eight out of 10. And then the second one would be, just your speed control drills. So if you put a tee in the ground, measure out five feet, put another tee in the ground, fairly flat putt, and then put a tee in the ground, another 10 feet, you're gonna have five balls and you hit the first putt, it has to cross the five foot mark past the tee, then the next ball goes past the first ball, the next ball goes past the second ball, and you see if you can fit those five balls in between that five foot tee mark and that last tee and if you can then you add another golf ball right and you keep adding golf balls until you can continue to have six seven eight nine golf balls in that 10 foot zone okay uh that's that's cool i like that and and, i mean because it's just so difficult and and everybody's you know unfortunately you know we talk about putting and how important it is but as you know a lot of people it's just hit the ball smash the ball you know and we're not building those the full game skills. So I love this kind of stuff. Why is it, because we see this sometimes and it still is like amazing to me. What is your take on why? Cause we're at the junior summit here. Why is it that when you get a kid with a hole and a ball and a putter, so many times you'll see them just get up there and whack it and roll it right in the hole. There's something natural and flowing about it. And then adults, as we get older, we start to have more and more difficulty and it gets for some, it gets even worse as they get older, say over 50, and it starts to get worse around the hole, especially in close. What's the deal with, with that um, freedom that we see in kids? I'll tell you, there, there's two. One would be any young kid, if you give them a putter and a ball, they're always going to go close to the hole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's number yeah. one. They're Cheat. smart. They're cheating. They're brilliant. Yeah, they're brilliant. Right. Um, and number two is... If you and I went outside and just threw a football, 
we're just throwing football, yeah. right? We're going to stand a distance apart that's relative that we can catch it and throw it. We're not thinking about the angles in our arm or how tight we're holding the ball, obviously, because we're just throwing. They're just putting. Yeah. They're just putting. Just free. Huh. That's it. That's and it. There's some skillfulness in their learning, they're exploring. There's a lot of good in that. Is it also because, really, because they're younger, there's less scar tissue there? There's less <laughs> failure in their history? So it's almost like it makes it easier in a way. They don't really, they don't have this other stuff sort of driving them, maybe some fear from hitting a bad putt or missing a short one under pressure or whatever. They're just, they're just viewing it as a game. Yeah, they know one thing. They know um, put the ball in the hole. They're not thinking about how. They're just rolling it. Yeah. Cool, man. Chris, always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Yes, sir. Thanks, man. Okay, uh, we have a, uh, a, a another guy who has been on the podcast before, Mr. The James Hong. James, how are you, man? Um, I'm doing well now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so after day one of the uh, MAPGA Junior Summit, James was kind enough to come down from uh, uh, nice and warm New York and uh, grace us with his presence. Uh, James, just give us uh, give us your take on sort of day one of the, the Junior Summit, and, and we'll, we'll hit a couple other points. But what what did you think of the day today? I, I thought it was amazing uh, to hear such great speakers like Ian and Zach and Billy. And I tell you what, Robbie Fails was amazing. He, I mean, yeah. he, you know, this, this guy, we were talking about it actually at the end of his presentation, how here's this young guy that we got introduced to a few years ago. And it was just so impressive to, to, to hear him talk. And, you know, I was scribbling so many notes while he was talking. It was just awesome to see. Yeah, he, he, was, he was great. Um, and your presentation was great. I think, you know, one of the big things I think that everybody got out of your presentation is the, the, the people aspect. I, I love that about you. You know, you're, you're a, a big junior coach. Uh, but it's not necessarily about competition or, you know, ending up on the PGA Tour, even a college scholarship. It's just about the fun of the game. And, I, I, you know, I talk often on the podcast, the word comes up often about uh, giving people more joy. So, you know, uh, you know, explain that a little bit because I, I just think that's the greatest thing about it. You've got all the technical knowledge in the world, man. You know how to run a lesson. But I just think the joy and the longevity uh, of your students with you is impressive. Yeah, I mean, it, I just think of it as we're, we're, we're trying to provide something that people can enjoy for the rest of their lives. I mean, everyone always talks about how golf is a game of, you know, for the lifetime. For your, you, you can enjoy it till the day you die. You may even die on the golf course for all we know. So to think of it as, oh, I want to I develop tour pros or something like that, that, that doesn't sound right to me, right? Not that you shouldn't be, but it's like, if you have a program and you get somebody eventually that that becomes a professional player out of it, that's wonderful. That that's a credit to whatever it is you're doing. But you don't. That doesn't just happen overnight, right? There's a developmental process to it, just like anything else. When when you learn a language, you don't suddenly take uh, a language class or a 20 minute, you know, whatever, as your driving language thing, and then fly over to that country and you're fluent in it. Right. right. There, there's a there's a process to it, and, and that's what I that's the thing that I try to create in the programs that I have. Do you feel like um, where do you feel like I'll ask this question occasionally with people, but like 
these last two years, obviously it's been um, challenging and different and great for our industry. Um, where, do you, where do you see junior golf going? Do you feel like it's exploding at the same rate that the game is for maybe some of the adults who didn't have anything else to do? And do you, do you see it maybe uh, continuing on that arc or do you th- feel like things are going to plateau? And obviously, you, know, you, you can certainly relate it to your business and what you're seeing, but what do you think about the future of where we're going with, with golf? Is it going to stay where it is, junior golf, or is it going to keep exploding or sort of plateau? What do you think? Well, I think with the business in general, it depends on how we do things over the course of the next year to two years, 15 months, whatever you want to say, whatever time frame it is, because are we just sitting back and going like, wow, this is amazing. Look at all these people that are coming to, to golf and not doing anything about it. Like we have to, we have, now that they're here and now that things are sort of going back to normal, if you want to call it that, how are we retaining these people? Because we're, we're, I think some of us are forgetting why they came to us in the first place. Because they, it was one of the only activities they could do with minimal restrictions, so to speak. Well, now a lot of these restrictions are gone. They're going back to work and whatnot. How are we keeping them? And if you're not working hard towards trying to, you know, to forecast what the future is going to be like, you're going to wake up one morning and you're going to realize all these people that showed up are gone again, just like that. And, and I think it's the same with junior golf is is those are your future members. So what are you doing to provide something for them that's going to retain them? And like I said, you could talk about it with juniors as well as adults. Yeah, I think that's a great point. We, excuse me, we we even had this discussion at the PJ annual meeting and it was like, yes, we want to bring new people in. We're always looking to grow, grow, grow from the ground up. But we got to remember, we have people in the game that we have to retain. And I think that's great about you is you retain these kids for eight seven eight nine years like it's you watch them grow as people uh i i I certainly agree with you um that we have to make sure we're we're looking ahead to make sure we're holding on to them uh, and not losing them um if if we're talking about you know getting a a a kid into the game and we may may have talked about this a little bit more but i think it's still just relevant given where we are with the junior summit but if you're getting in a kid into the game What's your playbook for a parent who loves the game, they want their child to play, but they don't want to push too hard? What's the playbook? Yeah, it's, it's listen to the coach, listen to what they're saying. I mean, one of the things I talked about today is it, it shouldn't be an adversarial relationship between the, the instructor and the parent. Our job is we're, we're, we're not just training the junior, we're training the parent as well. Parents are starving for information. They, they think of the best for their children. And so that's, we're, we're supposed to be that resource. So telling them or, or teaching them about how they should be doing things, what to say in the car ride home, how, how quick or how slow is the developmental process. But like I just said about learning a language, if, you know, you take a 20-minute language lesson, you don't, you don't, you're not fluent in the language. You're not fluent in the nuances. So it's the same thing. You don't take a half-hour or one-hour golf lesson and all of a sudden you can go out and shoot even par. And so we're always telling the parent, telling the student, the junior, it's like, you know, show some patience. This is what we're doing. Uh, oh, you want to be able to do this? Well, this is, this is how you get there. Yeah. Right. Awesome, man. Uh, it's always a pleasure to do this with you. Uh, we can do it all day, <laughs> all day. But um, we truly appreciate you coming down for this section, man. We really appreciate it. Um, I am a little disappointed that you didn't wear the green fleece. 
uh, for those listening, James has a history and a um, he has a, an, a a level to live up to. He's had this same green. How, how, what year do you think you bought that green fleece? Oh, I, it was a gift from my sister-in-law, and that fleece has got has to be going on 15 years. Has to be. Yeah, and, and he he didn't wear it today. I was a little bit shocked, but that's all right. Given all the great information we got today from him, we'll let it slide. Hey, buddy, thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me. Okay, Junior Summit, day one down, and our CEO of golf is here, the co-chair, with, along with Ed Gill, Gavin Parker. Gavin, how'd you think it went to go today, man? What'd you think? I think today was extremely successful. We got off to a good start. I think for the most part, everyone's pretty engaged. I think it was hopefully a breath of fresh air, a little bit of um, some energy and yeah. some excitement and... Uh, yeah, I think, I think we did the right thing today. I think it was heading in the right direction. Well, I mean, let's be honest. If anybody watches your Instagram or any of your stuff, they know energy is your number one deal, fun and energy. So we love that about you. So uh, let's talk about that for a second because um, I was just talking to James about this, and I love what he said, and you saw some of his presentation, obviously, today. But it's all about uh, – we're, we're focusing on juniors, but I think it's, it's about people, right? And that, I think that's a big thing for you. Like, yeah, you can te- fix stuff and all that fun stuff, right? But it's really about the people, right? Yeah, it's 100%. I think for me, junior golf first starts off with the emotional outcome, how to make a memory happen. If you cannot create some type of emotional uplift, to make a memory happen, no learning can take place. Therefore, once you create that emotional outcome, you need the social outcomes for kids to look around to see, whoa, are other people actually having fun too? And if they look around and it looks like the coaches are having fun, other kids are having fun, then they're like, okay, okay, I'm ready to jump in. Then you can work on the golf outcome which is always third. And I think too many people in this industry, specifically when it comes to junior golf, lose sight of kids are not there for the golf. They're not just out there to be with their friends. They want to be out there because they need a memory. And if you can tap into those emotional outcomes, then you got the secret sauce to hopefully create better human beings. Yeah, and you, you mentioned this today. And, and you know, as a, a, a dad of two, we, we are we're fighting a battle, right? Like we're fighting a battle against screens and these, all these uh, external, um, you know, uh, focuses and everything. It's, it's very difficult with kids. So, you know, talk about that a little bit, like trying to take something that is not, um, not this, you know, gratification that they're getting and scrolling right in front of them and trying to get them back out and engage. So this is, it's a battle. I mean, you know, parents are dealing with it every day and then coaches like you are dealing with it trying to create something where these kids are going to get engaged and want to be a part of this and not just going to sit on the couch and be on an ipad bingo man we're, we're literally at, at war mark we're at war of capturing kids attention i am here to solve that dilemma man that's what the parker process is man i'm trying to create as many leaders as possible and i use the vehicle golf to do it where kids can become problem solvers and critical think in environments that are all about ambiguity and choices and then not being criticized for those choices. And then because I am celebrating them 
winning for the sake of winning and the outcomes aren't just based on who's can hit the ball the farthest or who can make the most putts or who's the best at this thing they are being celebrated on their choices or how they play the game so now they want to talk about it because it makes them feel good so when their parents pick them up instead of immediately looking for their ipad or their tablet and putting on the headphones again the car they're telling mom and dad yo mom i had a great day today i was in the end of day mission I want a brand new golf club. And mom and dad's like, bro, I left you at a golf camp, but you're coming back telling me you know how to become a leader and you're actually having a conversation with me? That's what we're here to do. And as long as we can have one kid or 10 kids do that and hopefully share that, that's what I truly feel like I'm put on this planet to do. And that's what junior golf means to me. And let's share with everyone, if we can get everyone on the same page, that that's what the paradigms, that's what the word G-O-L-F needs to be in the 21st century instead of, dang, this kid's tournament score is about to get posted on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's like that. We got to change it, man. Yeah. One last one here, like, because your energy is always is so inspiring and, and, and um, it's out there, right? Where, where do you see yourself in five, five years? Just, I'm curious. Yeah. So you're going to be able to tune in um, to a subscription site on probably Hulu or Netflix that's going to be called The Parker Project, where you'll watch as I teach hopefully other parents, other grandparents on like how to actually hook kids into golf. Because what we can do and what I can do specifically is I can get a kid outside. The analog is back, baby. I can get kids off screens. I can get them face-to-face. And all I'm using, Mark, are the ancient wisdoms of play. Bro, I'm not doing anything that's revolutionary. I just took the time to study that play is not just progress and performance. Play is learning about yourself. Play is building a community centered around true inclusion, true accessibility, true wonderment. And if you look at it, all animals like to play. Dogs play all the time. But for some reason right now, kids only imagine playing via virtual reality or a screen. If you look at the world, the culture at large right now, Facebook is taking a major dive because they bought in so hard in this VR space, this meta life, and it failed miserably. Why is that? Because human beings love connection. So in five years, you might be watching how I use a stick and a ball to connect with human beings. And the same rhetoric I'm using for that play can be done in soccer, lacrosse, baseball, and the Parker process will be at every youth programming in the world. Dude, I'm really excited to see where where it goes for you uh, because I think you are going to help our association. We had a lot of talk about this at the end of the meeting. Help our association look like the rest of the world. And I think you are going to be one of the big movers and shakers for us. So I'm really happy for you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. All right, buddy. I appreciate you, man. Thank you, dog. Well, thanks so much to Billy, Robbie, Chris, James, and Gavin for joining me on the podcast. There's a lot to process out of those conversations. You found ways to improve your putting and your learning, uh, how you use training aids, how people learn. You got a really good look into the world of the junior golf coach. There's some talented people on this podcast today who do great work with the future of our game. And in addition to that, I think you got a really good sense and an introduction to some of the movers and shakers in our industry and how they are shaping the future of our game, our association, 
and raising great golfers, future champions, and future champion people in the process. So thanks again to the whole crew for joining me. Until next time on the Driving Improvement Podcast, this is Mark Russo, and I'll see you on the lesson. Oh, 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 oh,